I'm Alice. And I'm Brett. And this is the Prosecutor's Legal Blues. ask you this bob you've said that the defense is going to lean into that why i mean to me that sounds like the kind of drug that could turn somebody into a person who went from a great family man to somebody who's willing to kill their son and their wife just to somehow get the money for the next next hit so i'm not i'm kind of confused about why that's a good argument i'm, I'm guessing because of capability or the incapability of, of like the, the bungling of of everything because he's constantly high is what i, I will, would guess i will say this much and this will be controversial. We've done a lot of cartel <laughs> prosecutions, right? Like drug trafficking, where it's like moving international levels of, you know, cocaine and heroin. I do not think that money went to drugs alone. He may have had an opioid addiction. Who knows? I don't it couldn't know. Couldn't have, right? 50 it, there's just, there's literally no way. No way. <laughs> there's no way that money. Be Gold-plated like, oxycontin. Yeah. Literally no way. All that money was only for drugs. And I don't, I don't necessarily, but you know what costs a lot of money? Blackmail. And so it's possible that the money went towards blackmail that had to do with the drugs. But in other words, I'm not saying he didn't have an opioid addiction, but it is no way a a situation where this man is high out of his mind all like the time. Like 50 grand a week. No way, right? Court, I mean, you and like, I know that. We know how much heroin that it's is. Impossible. Like, <laughs> it's impossible. But blackmail costs a lot of money, especially when you're a man of his stature. And they, it's a small town. It's a small place. And it's possible he like got high here and there. That I buy rather than this man who is like reaching for his next high. Because unfortunately, probably, Bob, you and I know what people who are very addicted to heroin look like he does not look like that to me everyone looks different on addiction so that's why i'm not delving into that because i don't think it's important the whole point is there's no way doesn't matter how high his addiction is that he was spending all that money just on the actual hit to get high right but it doesn't make sense it doesn't make any sense so it, it's a it's a sympathy thing but he also hasn't raised any sort of like insanity defense or any sort of competency. Yeah, issue. no, there, there, yeah, there is no, there's no, there's nothing. You can't right spring there. that, you know, that's something you have to establish before trial. And so they can't bring it in now. He's been, you know, under watch. He, there's no way he's been able to keep up with this addiction in the past two years because of what he's been under in terms of the watch by the court, by his attorneys. Sure. And you don't drop an addiction like that overnight. You quite literally, what it's what's it called dope sick like you yeah, physically 100%. get sick yeah we haven't 100%. seen that right we, we've heard of rehab and so I, I know you may not disagree with that but i'm saying that for all the people in the chat because it's like i also think that's a red herring <laughs> i do not think this is a man who is wildly addicted to opioids to the tune of fifty thousand dollars and i want to keep going down this rabbit hole that alice is digging because ordinarily alice and i are like the least conspiratorial people ever I mean, we're always throwing <laughs> cold water on conspiracies I think he's guilty. I would vote for him to be guilty if I was a juror. But I will say this. It would not shock me if there is some much bigger thing going on here that we're not, we don't know and we're never going to know. And the $50,000 a week thing, like Alice said, that's not really going to drugs. I'm not exactly sure be. what's going on here. But I'm this, sorry, but that's like sex ring level 
keep this under wraps international planes yeah it's like jeffrey epstein like (laughs) i was on that's what it sounds like and you know you got to keep that that on the down low for me and but i'm actually serious right that's that's level of money i was thinking gambling potentially you know gambling could definitely be something where if he was involved in that but i mean look and they're not going to be able to use any kind of opioid thing as a kind of a mental defect or it's not going to really be able to mitigate the damages in terms of, but you know, if it, if it is a thing where the guy was like that kind of an addict in terms of being able to function normally, in terms of being able to kind of pull off a, a thing where you're killing two people kind of simultaneously, you know, to me, the kind of the biggest piece of evidence was the fact that he admitted to touching Paul's phone. To me, that was an absolute, smoking gun and for the life of me i cannot figure out anything that the defense is going to be able to say why he was touching his phone other than to go on to try to delete that video to me that is incredibly damning it's more i saw somebody on here saying they're not impressed with me because of the timeline whatever man you'll you'll know what's up when when <laughs> when when the defense gets up there and tears the timeline apart yeah i mean look it, like there's there's certain amounts of speculation that have to take place in order for us to to say okay this is when the phones went black. This is the timeline. That's when they died instead of 906 when he leaves. You know what I mean? Because we're not talking like hours. We're talking like minutes from when like he wakes up from his nap allegedly and leaves. So, I mean, the defense is going to attack it. You have to know coming in, they're going to attack the timeline. I mean, that's going to be one of their big things, you know. So, but but that that thing where he goes and for whatever reason with his son and they made a big deal like Harpootlian, like an opening talking about how this – his son's brain was blown out of his head. It was like they were shocking. They were they were trying to front the shock and awe campaign that they foresaw coming. So Harpootlian like goes in opening and, and just says it on repeat, which is like horrific, you know, to even think of that, especially in terms of, you know, and, and they're doing it for the reasons like, would a father ever that like do that to his son? How could a man do that to his own flesh and blood? Somebody he loved more than himself, you know, all that kind of argument. But that phone, like picking up the phone while his son's brain is sitting right there in front of him. And and like I got on there to do something. I don't know what it was, but and we know now that the phone was dead. So he couldn't achieve what he was trying to achieve, you know, because he had to have known that Paul was recording at that time. You know, he had to have like phone, like like Paul was on his phone all the time, taking, you know, videos and snaps. So, I mean, that's just, it's kind of the nature of, of kids that age. So to me, that, that was a really like low key devastating piece of evidence that I think is going to stick with the jury. Like there's just no explanation of why he would have picked that phone up other than to try to destroy evidence, which you and I know with Cellubrite, you're not destroying anything. They, they they plug the phone under the Cellubrite. Everything that you've deleted comes, you know, that I think it's like 98% is recovered. So it's like, but you would think that he would know that as a lawyer, but you know, I don't know, man. Look, he did a lot of smart things, right? I mean, going to get the shotgun to protect himself helps explain why he has gunshot residue. Touching the bodies helps explain why there's, you know, blood on the steering wheel or whatever, or blood on him. I mean, he he... He was pretty good about giving a reason for a lot of the things that that happened. And maybe, you know, look, as we've said before, when you actually kill somebody, a lot of times 
not that we've killed people before, but when you kill somebody, it's a lot, it's a lot worse than thinking about it. And even the hardest criminal may make mistakes because of the adrenaline and everything else. And you could imagine he reaches down and picks up that phone and then realizes immediately, oh God, I made a huge mistake. I should never have done that. And then the whole drive to his mom's house, he's trying to think, what am I going to say to explain why I touched the phone? You know, you, you can sort of imagine that kind of thing going on, but he certainly like talking about how they did some target shooting when they drove around. Oh, just a few, just a few things. Once again, explains sort of why some of the, the gunshot residue. So he clearly, if he did it, was thinking through some of the things he would need to be able to explain beforehand. And, and the video is really interesting. Did he know about the video? Did he not know about the video? There are multiple videos. Remember, there's also they were trying to do the video call with the dog at one point and that didn't work out. So, you know, who knows exactly why he would have done that? It also seems like if he did it, he also picked up Maggie's phone because there's that moment where the phone tries to recognize a face, which, you know, is so evocative to me because I'm kind of surprised that's not recorded. I'm kind of surprised that that one second when it's trying to record the phone isn't in the Apple memory somewhere of what right. image it was looking at. I mean, wouldn't right it be great if we had that image? But we don't. Yeah, exactly. So I see people in the chat. Is, is that a fact that the, they're saying that the phone, that Paul's phone didn't die until 1036? Is that right? I, I think it's when it stopped. There is a period of time before it dies where there is no an, a, abrupt stopping of any sort of action on his phone i thought that i had seen that there was at 846 that he was at like two percent like like i thought that i had either saw that or was testified to but i, I think there's multiple people saying that his phone did because maggie's phone was not dead when they recovered it from the the side of the road right that was it was still it his was phone still dies at 10 34 my, my so handy yeah, dandy timeline here. But I mean, I think the reason you're seeing that is because up until that point, he was using his phone continuously. Then all of a sudden he stops using it continuously. So it actually manages to survive for another 30 minutes or so because he's right. dead during that whole time. Or an hour and a half. Like if, if it goes from nine, right. like if, if it, yeah. So whatever, if the time of death is estimated to be 848, 849, 850, somewhere in there. Cause he's back in the car on the road by nine Oh six. Right. That's when he's leaving to his mom's. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it, ultimately it's going to end up being, a, you know, like I, I tried the Garcia case in Omaha and it was all circumstantial. It was kind of the same thing. They had no feel like they had less physical forensic evidence than they do in this case. And they convicted Garcia you know, and they had, they had zero forensic. It was all circumstantial. And a lot of it was mere presence in terms of him being there, having opportunity to do it, you know, and they built the kind of this revenge motive, you know, even though it spanned 13 years. So, I mean, you never know what a jury's going to do. You know, obviously we got to see what the defense is going to put out there, but you know, at this point, I just don't know how the flow went for the jurors. You know, it's like, I'm always trying to listen to what the talking heads are saying about like, are the jurors responsive? You know, how, how did the jurors respond to this particular, you know, thing that was said or this particular piece of evidence? So, I mean, it, it'll be curious. I, I mean, that's just one thing you never, ever can predict is what is a jury going to do ever? just can't do it. We call it the black box all the time. And that's why we always say, if you're incredibly guilty, you go to trial because like it's your best shot if right. you, you all you have to do is pick off one person whereas exactly. the judge is going to probably be harder to pick off than a you know a jury of your peers let me ask you this bob so we've talked about the the lie you know the fact that he says he was asleep on the couch and he was actually down at the kennels do you think he needs to testify to explain that oh man 
it's like I just cannot see how that guy can help himself on the stand. It's it, as much as I feel like he needs to. I I just don't. And look, it, it's a hundred percent his decision. It's not his lawyer's decision. It's no one that like it's a hundred percent his decision whether or not. He's going to testify. Obviously, his attorneys will advise him what they think is the best bet. But I mean, like what like what can he say that helps himself? Like, Because I've always thought like, oh, man, if I was ever accused of a crime that I didn't commit, I would get on the stand. There's no way that they wouldn't hear from me on the stand. You know, but after practicing for 20 years, you know, the jury misconstrues one thing that you say and then they hate you. You're done. You know, I mean, it's like Alice said, it's like. There's a couple of things that the juries hang their hats on. It's whatever story they believe and whether or not they hate the defendant. <laughs> you know, if they if they hate the defendant, you know, that can overcome a mediocre story if they if they hate the defendant, you know, and I mean he is imminently hateable because of everything that's come out. I mean, the guy was stealing his clients' money to the tunes of millions. He you know, I mean, there's the alleged killing of his wife and his son. There's the, you know, the shoe, the like, it's all coming out. You know, it's like there's just so much prior bad acts out there for them to like hang their hat on. I, I just, I don't think you could put him on. I honestly do. I, I don't see how he helps in any way, shape, or form. So, I can't what do you see- say? defense counsel because you're so right it is his call and (laughs) what would you say to him to keep him off the stand let's see how good of a persuasive attorney you are I, i would tell him quite simply that you know i'd say well alec what do you think that you're going to be able to say that's going to help you and i'll give you my answer on what i think you should do after that and then i'd hear him out and i'd tell him that that's not going to help you you know i mean like there's nothing that you're going to say that is going to sway them towards making you a likable person like that. That ship has sailed. There's, there's no putting that toothpaste back in the tube. It's over, you know, like there's like, I'm convincing him that there's absolutely nothing that he can say or do on the stand that is going to help repair the damage that's been done. You know I mean? Like all he can do is hurt himself. That's the bottom line. There's, there's, he's not going to have the answers for some of the questions, especially if, if Brett says, if he's the guy, it's, it's impossible to lie your way out of that. You know, it's real simple when you're telling the truth, because you don't have to remember anything because you're telling the truth. It's a whole different story when you're lying because you got to remember a lot, you know? So in terms of, of keeping him off the stand, I think that they're going to absolutely <laughs> have to try to talk him out of it if, if you know but he's going to have that smartest guy in the room thing going on yeah somebody you know? in the chat said he's exactly the kind of person who would testify and i agree a hundred percent every one of my defendants who ever testified fits the bill that is alec i mean the he thinks he's larger than life he thinks he can talk himself out of everything i mean you can see that in those body cams with those first interviews everything he's saying is like asinine but he is like man i am killing it with these cops right i mean you see it on his face he thinks he's killing it when he he tells the story about how one of his workers is a secret fbi assassin or whatever in the first interview and it's like he doesn't even laugh what in the world that's it it, uh, yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the crying <laughs> no even the greatest actors known to to mankind or humankind cannot cry like that so is it regret or is it 
oh my god i'm done <laughs> what like what is the impetus of his crying you know because he's like look I, you can kill your son and still be like what did i do i mean you could i mean i don't doubt that he loved his son i also don't doubt that he killed his son and so like I, I think he can absolutely cry that way for a whole lot of reasons. And I think it's all mixed bag, right? You are sitting in trial fighting for your life, not literally because death penalty is not on the you know table, but you can still look at pictures and imagine your son's brains blown out and been the one to do it and still be like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think this goes to something mean, we talk about all the time, which is even the people who do the absolute worst thing in the world are not actually monsters. They're human beings who did a monstrous thing and he may have done this horrible thing and still regret it. Even, even if he would do it again, you know, he might still regret it and still have that sort of emotional side where, well, I did what I had to do, but it's still really sad. So yeah. I mean, I think sometimes people try and just portray people who, who are accused of these horrendous crimes as if they're just emotionless, you know, psychopathic monsters. And sometimes they are, I mean, I'm not saying that's never true, but yeah, I mean, I think those, those tears could be legitimate and, and having to relive what he did, I'm sure is pretty bad. And to the extent that he lets it happen because he knows allowing those emotions to take over is valuable for him. I think it is. I think you've seen a lot of people on a lot of the same, you know, programs that you're appearing on Bob who actually are affected by the fact he's crying so much, who think that is a sign that maybe he didn't do this. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly not, I'm certainly not buying it, but it, it certainly is something that I'm thinking about. Like, what is the, what is the impetus to it? Like I keep reading people say, you can't fake cry like that. Like, you, like, it doesn't work like that. Like, I think like, it's real. I no, think those it's, emotions it's are very like, real. Are like, he's fake crying. I'm like, you don't, like, fake cry constantly for hours. It's like, you know, it's it's like Brett says, you know, I mean, look, there are definitely sociopaths that have absolutely no remorse and could sit there like a stone wall and, like, it wouldn't affect him. But I don't think he was that guy. I think that there was a long period of his life where he was probably a pretty decent guy until whatever happened. And, you know, I mean, kind of the only way that I can – try to reconcile what this guy did to his family's legacy when they just ran that town for a hundred years is, is the drugs. I mean, like, I can't think of any other thing that, it, that it's, that's rational. I mean, he blew up his entire family's legacy and, and, you know, like just exploded it, you know, like, and it's not just him. It's like all of them, like everything is tainted now. And it's like, what, gets him there other than the drugs you know i mean because that oxy is a real thing man like that that is that is a poison that is unbelievable and it does destroy lives like that you know and it's like i don't know i it, it, I'm, I'm curious to see how it's going to play out on the defense side of it you know because i i could tell from the chat we got about a 97 percent conviction rate here on the chat <laughs> Really? I guess oh, yeah. we, all, we all have selective bias because I'm reading all the comments that say that they're with you, Bob. That I think a lot of people don't <laughs> buy the motive. I mean, I think a lot of people don't buy the motive. And I think... Yeah, like, but we, like you said, like it's not an element of the crime. But that you doesn't matter. I mean, I mean as you know, if that jury goes back there and says, man, and you see this, I see this, it drives me crazy. I see it on Facebook. I see it on Twitter. I see people say things like, well, I'm 100% he's guilty, but I don't know that I could convict. And I'm like... What does that even mean? And I feel like you could have jurors go back and, and say, well, the evidence is really strong against him, but that motive, I just don't buy it. I guess if I don't buy right. the motive, that's reasonable doubt. So I guess I have to, you know, say he's not guilty. I could, I could totally see people saying that. 
Yeah, I know. What I was saying is that motive doesn't matter. You know, like it doesn't. It's like the, the factually, you know, and the evidence that they're hearing, if they buy the timeline, you know, if, if you know, because it, it, it is circumstantial, obviously, you know, I mean, and, you know, with a, a medical examiner, they're not going to be able to determine the exact time of death. I mean, look, this is going to be very much like OJ in the sense that the defense is going to spend a lot of time trashing the sled because they did butcher the crime scene. You know, and like that's part and parcel because he was Alec Murdoch. I know, you know always the fact that, that they don't go in the house and, and get his, you know, and search that house that night is it's 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 incomprehensible. It's incomprehensible to me that they didn't go in and search the house. Like, you know, it's incomprehensible that they didn't go to his mother's house and search that property that night. You know what I mean? So it's like th- that is going to be hammered into the juror's head that they did an incompetent job of investigating, you know, so everybody prepare themselves. They're going to, they're going to be putting witness after witness on in terms of, you know, and they tried to do it as much as possible in terms of cross-examination. Like you were saying, Alice, I mean, that's really where the defense starts their case is on cross, but they're going to put more on in terms of what should have been done. You know, and 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 they're going to leave the jury wondering why it wasn't done. You know, so I mean, we'll see how it plays out. But so you know, you're I, betting I, hung jury at this point. I I just think that there's going to because it's in that town, and because of that family's legacy, that there's going to be at least one person that's a Murdoch fan. You know, like like I, if it was in a different county, not in the Low Country, then then I think that they'd probably based on just the prosecution's case at this point, would get a conviction. But in that county, man, I don't know. Like, I, I was stunned that it was in that county. I, I Like I like I said, I didn't really think of your point, you know, from the defense side of it. He's thinking, well, you know, maybe I want to, but he's, he's screwed so many people in that county over out of their money, and it's a small town. You know, everybody probably knows somebody that he screwed over probably closely, you know, and we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars on some of these settlements, million, two million on one of them. I mean, the guy was really, really screwing a lot of people over, you know, so they're going to lean into that hard. Like, like I thought they really wanted the financial stuff to come in because then it really gives them the ability to say, okay, well, look at how many people want to kill him. Like, look, look at how much money he stole from people. And money is typically the number one motive for, for killing somebody, you know, aside from jealousy or, you know, sexual relations or infidelity, things like that. You got money and sex. Those are the two reasons that people typically kill, you know. So, I mean, they're, they're certainly going to lean into the fact that, look, we've got a bunch of clients that had a fortune stolen from them for people that have nothing. $100,000 is like they can live on it for a lifetime. You know, and he stole that from them. You know, the problem that they're going to have with that is proving that they had knowledge that it was stolen at the time. You know what I mean? In terms of them being like somebody who would actually be that upset that they would go and and exact revenge on, you know, because that was the Garcia case. Like the Garcia case, the first set of victims was the 11 year old son of the pathology director at Creighton university. It wasn't the director himself. The, like the revenge was taken on the son, like the boy, like he didn't take it on the person who committed the wrong, 
he went to where he felt was a much more damning. Like now you've got to live with this with the rest of your life that your son's been murdered. You know, so I mean, like that's that's the argument I think the defense is going to be making. Certainly, I mean, maybe the, like Allison was saying, maybe they'll my Allison, they're maybe they're going to call Eddie themselves, <laughs> except they'll never know what he'll testify to. He's he's like a like, wild he's, cannon. He's a, he's way he's yeah. much more of a liability <laughs> for anybody. The ultimate, you never know what the what? answer to the question is going to be. Well, I'll just go ahead and I'll go on the record now and say I think he's guilty. I think I think he'll be convicted. I think he'll be convicted. I don't think it'll take long. I think it'll be a pretty. All right, quick wait. So wait, return. wait. Allison saying that like she's been reading the the chat. She says, uh-huh. "What do you mean they want who us to poll who? Them. Who? How do we guys? poll them? I don't think we these, can do these that. These guys both think he's guilty. No, the people. Oh, okay. Wait. Well, how do we? How do we do poll? Does someone know how to poll? Chat? I don't know that that's okay. possible. <laughs> Right. All right. So, do we create one on Twitter? I mean, (laughs) yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Brett, do Brett do that? Create a yeah. Do that. I'm actually curious. Okay, I will create a poll on Twitter. So, I was saying while I'm doing that, I was saying that I think in the end, and this is obviously without the benefit of what I'm sure will be a brilliant job by the defense, that I do think he will be convicted. And I don't think it will be that close. So I guess I guess Alice is up. I hope so, except exactly what Brett said. And and this is not to pick on anyone in the chat, but it blows my mind when people say, I know he's guilty, but I don't think the state's proven their case. I don't understand what that sentence means. And like at least I've seen a dozen people say that in the chat, and that worries me. And that and that is kind of what we hear today more and more. We've had Brett and I have had more kind of wild card juries than I'd like to to, to admit to in the last kind of couple years. I don't know if it's the true crime world. I don't know if everyone thinks they know what beyond a reasonable doubt is, but doesn't really know. I think he is guilty and i think the state's proven it i'm worried about the black box jury man so i um well did you watch oj <laughs> in real time i, mean, I did not, wasn't not in real time on OJ. Right, I, was a, say, I, was I was alive i'm a gentleman so i wasn't going to ask you your age but so like i i watched that you know from beginning to end i think i was in college when oj was going on and that was one of those cases where in my heart I knew he was guilty, but the state didn't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. You know, and look, after the fact, we find out that that was, you know, it was like there was so much going on socially at that point. Like you had Rodney King happening and, you know, like the the cops all got acquitted and, you know, there was riots happening. And like you had one of the jurors way after the fact admit that. That was payback. That that verdict was payback for them not convicting any of the cops in the Rodney King beatings. But aside from that, I just don't know if they're proving it. You know, but it's like I, I think there's some good evidence. I, I do, but it's like, are you gonna? Like, is it? Is that a death penalty state or not? I don't know. Well, he, he's they declined to pursue the death penalty. They didn't okay, see so it. you know, I mean, which I think is actually smart of them. It is but. smarter, like you know, because it's like it's a, it's a much bigger weight on a on a juror knowing that you know your end your end decision is going to be he's going to die, he's going to be executed based on what you decide. I think it's a softer blow for a juror to think, okay, well, you know, he's going to go to prison. I, I feel like even though I'm a little iffy on it, <laughs> like I, I think that, you know, I feel, yeah, because you're right, Alice, like, you know, every, like in Illinois, we, we, we don't have a jury instruction for the definition of reasonable doubt. You know, I mean, it's like, it's different state to state because it's, it's kind of like how the Supreme Court of the United States defined, you know, pornography. They're like, well, 
I can't really define it, it, but I know (laughs) when I see it, you know what I mean? It's, it's it's kind of the same thing with reasonable doubt. You know, it doesn't have to be beyond all doubt, you know, but it's, it's like, I, I always say it's got like, you got to get it to the goal line. You don't necessarily have to cross the goal line, you know, where preponderance of the evidence is the 50, you know, and, and beyond reasonable doubt is you're, you're knocking on the door, you're on the goal line where you don't actually jump across it. So what, what's that cool little thing? Is that, can we, is that a link to the poll? That is a link to the poll. And I've so also smart. starred a comment. I will say this. If the prosecution can't get a conviction this time around, then, you know, maybe just let the feds go ahead and do their thing because they've gotten everything in. You know, like we've yeah. been talking about, doors been coming open that we didn't know if they were going to come open. This jury's right. going to know everything. This is not a jury... When you hear this sometimes where a jury, you know, they, they find someone not guilty and later on they say, if only I had known about X, Y, or Z, I would have convicted. There's nothing like that here. They're going to know this is as favorable to the prosecution as it could possibly be. I mean, they basically could have played Mandy or Mandy Matney's entire like Murdoch, like the Murdoch murders like podcast. Cause basically everything that, you know, that was in there has been like outed, you know, like you said, like all the dirty laundries out there. So yeah, like I, I agree. Like, Cause I asked that question today when I was on the long crime thing, I'm like, yo, like if there is a hung, do you think they go after him again? Or do you think the, do you, they just let the feds pick it up? You know, cause like you said, I mean, like, what are they going to change? Like what, like, yeah. you, it you doesn't know get better than this, honestly. Right. Like <laughs> you can, you can maybe pick a better jury, but that's a fool's errand. Right, but in exactly. terms of the rulings, this is fantastic. And you know, one thing that I think is really important, I think Brett said it earlier is people have said over and over, I just don't buy financial you know, motive for why he would kill his family. That's why we see people kill all the time for much smaller amounts, right? Whether it's a robbery at the the gas station, whatever, but it's, it's almost always for money, to be honest. Almost always. It's almost always for money. And also like, I mean, this guy, again, I don't think it's just about money, but the fact that it is money, if you extrapolate to all of our other cases, it's not these amounts, but it is always for money. And second, these kinds of criminals, these white, I call them a white collar, criminal because he's never been in trouble before and he is you know the definition of white collar in terms of power prestige money all those things they actually are some of our most vicious clients who will stop at no end because they have this god complex right and so the fact that he has committed these like hundred you know financial crimes puts him into the category of my most unpredictable defendants who i know will stop at nothing and so he in my mind is absolutely capable of this and absolutely capable of doing it for money. I think it's more for who he is, his status. And I just want something, people, something we say all the time, which is the motive shouldn't make sense to you. It's not like you hear the motive and you're like, oh yeah, I could totally see myself killing my kids because of that, right? That's not what it is. So if it's not believable to you because you can't imagine that convincing you to do something like it, that's not how you should think about this. You have to think about Alec Murdoch, Everything Alice said about him, his family, his legacy, everything Bob said about the fact that all this is going to bring down everything, does the motive make sense for that person? And I think when you think about it that way, it's a little bit easier to wrap your head around something like this happening than if you try and put yourself in his shoes. Because hopefully, the vast majority of you, if you put yourself in his shoes, would say, well, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> that, that, that would be my hope. Yeah, and, and plus, he, you know, you have to consider he might not have been rationally thinking. If, if he's... 
Obviously, he's not doing fifty thousand dollars worth of opioids a week, but if he's if he's hitting oxy daily, the dude's not thinking like a normal person is. You know, if if it's been going on for 15, 20 years, I mean, that is a serious opioid addiction. I, I've like I said, I, I've seen the after effects. I've seen it in action, and it's it's devastating. Like like I, I don't know how he was functioning at all. But in terms of him being able to rationalize why he's doing it, I don't think it necessarily has to make sense because it may have made sense to him in his convoluted mind. You know what I'm saying? It's like it may not make sense to the rest of us in the real world as we're looking back on it. But him in the moment, it might have made perfect sense of just because where his brain was because of the drugs. You know, I like I don't know. Like To me, like the biggest flaw in in the motive was that. This it was the way that the AG decided that like, okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna try to like pinpoint the motive to like a like a very specific issue that he was trying to buy himself time. Like I don't know why they said that. Like that he's trying to buy himself two weeks. It's like all of the rest of the motive stuff kind of makes sense until you you add in that he's trying to buy him a couple of weeks that gains him nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like that was my my biggest issue with with the motive was he's doing this to buy himself a couple of weeks. I mean, obviously the 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 financial crimes aren't going away. He, the, you know, the guy's a lawyer. He knows that. Like him him killing is is you know it may deflect attention for a minute, but it's certainly not making anything go away. You know, so like that, that's always just kind of been and like, I always try to put myself in the shoes of the the jury. Like every time I'm saying something like Allison's like, I'm like, well, you're a lawyer. I'm like, you have to think about things like a juror, like jurors don't care about experts. They don't. Experts X each other out They're They're, you know, that homespun expert that was up there today who like, you know, Allison, like he was a terrible witness, but I'm like, he was a great witness for the state because he was, he was sweet as pie. He had charm. The jury loved him. They loved the way he talked. He handled Harputlian's, you know, cross-examination with a plum. He was, a, he was, a, you know, even though he didn't really bring much to the table because everything was a guess, I guess, you know, I have an opinion. I heard you. See, she's yelling at me from downstairs. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she uh, could have joined too. We could have had four joined, of us. Absolutely. I mean, you know, next time, it's right. be all four. Next time, I'll bring her on for okay, sure. Okay. Well, we're up to 500 people listening to this. So what? that's cool. Oh, cool. But that's amazing. We also, you know, we've kept Bob here for an hour and 15 minutes now. So I know. We do need to wrap it up. You know, based on billable hours, I don't think I can afford Brett, it. Don't try to don't try to end it on my account. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just wanting we, people if they want to vote. <laughs> now's the time. Also, we should vote. And also, I think the fact that 500 people are watching and where you've been going for almost an hour and a half, and there's still so much more to say, is that, Bob, you have to come back because oh, this trial is nowhere near being finished, I'm, I think. I'm here for it, definitely. <laughs> like, let's let's come back, like, you know, towards the end of the, the defense's Face in chief and like see where we see like see if anything has changed. Let's come know? back next week because maybe they'll have rested and we'll see I if your it. mind's been changed. And absolutely and, and of course once we have a verdict, we'll have to do this. But yeah, let me just exactly. go ahead and give you an update on the so right now it's seventy one percent guilty, four percent not guilty, twenty two <laughs> okay, percent hung jury, oh, and then three yeah. percent mistrial because of COVID. I I, I also I take well, I like issue that. a little bit with that though, because I'm curious. This is what people think it's going to be. I I w I'm curious what the poll would say is if you were in the jury, how would you vote? Mm. Guilty, not guilty, hung, or I got COVID. 
Exactly. I'll follow up with a poll that says that later. That's a good I, I, I'm curious on that because I do think there are people who may be indicating that they think it's going to be a hung jury, but they themselves would vote for guilt. So, right. I'm just yeah. saying, follow up, follow up on that. On that. I mean, it's it's hard. Oh. Like, like you know, that small small town thing is like real, you know, and it's like we just don't because. I don't know. Did they, did they show any of the, the Vordire, like the, when they were selecting the jury, did they show any of that? Like in terms of I, if they did, I didn't watch it either. So like, I, I just don't like when, and the Garcia, and I know I keep hearkening back to it, but like we polled because they had been trying my client in the press for three years hard, you know? So I had filed a motion for a change of venue to get it out of Douglas County of course it was denied, you know, and, and I, we had hired a polling company to poll the citizens of Douglas County to find out, okay, well, have you heard of the case? Yes. Okay. Have you read a lot about the case? Yes. Have you formed an opinion as to innocence or guilt? And it was like 97% had formed an opinion. And then it was like 93% had felt he was guilty. So I'm like, and I went in, we went in with that data to the judge. And I'm like, it can't be in this County. Like we can't get it. We can't impanel a fair jury. And, and like Brighton, you and I were talking about this the last time, man. It's like, no one wants a retrial. No, like no one does. Like no one wants to get it bounced on appeal. But again, like we're just talking about a different beast down in South Carolina. I don't know how much sway the Murdoch family has up, like up on the appellate level. Does it reach the the Supreme court of South Carolina? You know, it's like, you just don't know. Like, I mean, they're a legendary family down there. You know I mean? The guy's sitting in the courtroom with his grandfather's portrait, staring, you know, staring at him with like great disapproval, you know, through the whole thing, you know, I can't believe you did that to the family. Alex. <laughs> no, he's probably thinking, dang it. We kept it under wraps for a century. You uh, let it go. Come on. You they clown. actually took the portrait down. But otherwise, yes. The fact that they had to take a portrait of his grandfather down tells you everything you have Says to Says a lot. Says right. A lot. You just see you just see the old like the dust ring around exactly. the, uh, the portrait. <laughs> well, before we go, you know, I okay, let's take well, because we we are absolutely doing this again. Now we'll just go for a fun poll. When do you think the prosecution is going to rest? And let's plan on getting together that evening for a live. Awesome. So what do you um, think, Bob? What what day? Do you think I'm gonna into go, next week? Yeah, I think it'll, I mean, tomorrow, I, you know, plus I cut it short today. So and Griffin was saying he's going to go a long time on cross with that cop that was on there, the sled guy. So yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna guess that they end end of day Monday is when I I think they'll rest. All right. What do you think, Brett? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's I think that's the earliest. There's no way they wrap oh, wait, it up Monday. Tomorrow. Monday is a court holiday, so oh, Tuesday. Yeah. So Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, it is. That's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with middle of the week because everything in this trial is just so slow. <laughs> there might be another bomb threat. <laughs> and, and I'll say this: one thing about the prosecution is, you know, and this is a decision they had to make. They have they've put on everything. I mean that they if if that door opened, they took everything through it. So I expect they will put on as much evidence about the roadside thing as I can, even though I think some of the most important points get lost when you spend too much time on these. That's the shows. fear. That's the fear. You know, they like I've been reading in the comments, you know, there's been various people like you know, you know, like just it's it's been convoluted in terms of cause they threw everything in. 
And it's, you know, it's hard. It's like people that haven't tried a case. It's easy to sit back and kind of armchair quarterback and say, well, you know, they screwed that up. When you're in the fight and you have witnesses that have to call off or I can't make it like, you you know, there's a best laid plan going into it in terms of strategy. And this is how we think it'll play out the best for the jury. And a lot of times it just doesn't work out that way because we're human and human things happen and life happens and, you know, witnesses call off and, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, a lot of different things that happen that cause you to, to, you know, kind of like switch the order of what you otherwise would have called them in. But, you know, kind of like trying to figure out, do you do the financial thing in one big block yes. or do you kind of intermittently, you know, but like the, the fear of that is if you do in a block that I'm sorry, I meant block as in like a summary, like don't put on every single darn check. Oh, yeah. No, I, <laughs> that's I was what talking I meant. About consecutively, like one witness yeah. after another. But then you you have the the problem of like people forget why you're there. You know, it's like that's that's kind of the rub. So I don't know. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess. I think that they'll wrap it up because I don't think they're going to call Cousin Eddie. I just don't like that guy is like, he's liability. He's a massive (laughs) liability. I mean, you know, but he's also the guy that you point to and say, that's who this guy has been hanging out with for 15 years. Like we're going to show you his phone records and you know who, you know who Alec Murdoch called and texted more than anybody, more than his wife, more than his sons. It was this guy. And look who this guy is. I mean, they might be able to swing it that way, but like you don't put him on. He's he's a, he's a turd. I think you said it best. He he's a turd. <laughs> well, Bob, seriously, thank you so much for taking so it's much time. Pleasure. You was- are a fan favorite of our listeners, and you guys. I think most of you are already fans of Defense Diaries, but if you have not heard Bob on Defense Diaries, you have to go give him a listen. We love having you on. We're gonna have you on again soon because this trial is just it's gripping and we want to hear more but before i sign off brett anything else just want to echo alice thank you so much bob it's great to have your perspective you know it's really easy for us to get sort of prosecutor tunnel vision sometimes so <laughs> thanks for keeping us straight hey, and i i absolute pleasure I, I was super excited when you hit me up i i love to i love to chat i'm thrilled that you were here alice because it's like like I, I like having the, the three of us together because it really kind of makes it a, like the, the real family thing there. So I love doing it. Like I can't wait till we're doing it on the defense side because I'm going to be asking you all the questions that time. So we'll we'll flip the script and kind of see how like, you know, see if they swayed you at all. You know, because I, like, I have the same thing. You know, I, I've got the same issue. I get the tunnel vision from the defense side of it. You know, Allison's worse than me. Like she, I'm like, do you ever she's turn have to join off? next time? Yeah, I'm like, do you ever turn off defense brain? Like, she's like, no, I don't. So I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I, I guess I'm, I'm getting like soft in my old age. I don't, know. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't think you're soft. But yes, I can't thanks. wait till the tables turn and we will be put in the hot seat, and we can't wait for that. And awesome. all of you listening live, thank you guys so much. Thank you for following this crazy journey. We're gonna keep giving it to you live. And until next time. I'm Alice. And I'm Brett. And, and I'm this Bob. is the prosecutor. <laughs> oh, and oh, and who else? And our awesome guest. Bob. And this is the prosecutor's legal briefs.
So, that's the prosecution story. And as we've always said, just because the prosecution, let me back up, let me start that ever. <laughs> Sorry, I'm starting to sound like Alice. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> it's catching, <laughs> or the bourbon is hitting. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, but you're right, it was, I don't think they played the whole thing, they always play the beginning. All you have to do is watch his interrogation in the car and how he like, if you didn't, I mean, he's a good actor. <laughs> Except not really. He's full of himself. 